Hello and welcome to the Head First Podcast. My name is Joe O'Brien. I run the Instagram page at Head First Zero and I um, created this podcast, the Head First Podcast. Today I have Rebecca Nolan, aka Teach Triceps, um, and she'll be joining me to talk about supplements and uh, brain health, but supplements in general, and a little bit about nutrition and um, how it relates to mental health and health in general. So, Rebecca, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. <laughs> so, the motivation behind why I wanted to do this podcast was because I get an awful lot of questions in my DMs and in my question boxes about supplements. So, I often get asked, um, does this supplement work? Is there any evidence for this? Is there any evidence for it? I've got things like hangover cures. Yeah. I've also got adaptogenic herbs. So I've been asked an awful lot about this and it's difficult for me from someone from a mental health perspective to understand how supplements work in the body and how nutrition works in the body in relation to uh, mental health. Now, I do know and I know I said this to you before about the eggs example. Yeah. I think the eggs example is really cool because it relates to a lot of people. The myth about eggs being bad for cholesterol. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that just as a kind of as a basic um, to kind of set the tone for the rest of it because I think it's very relatable yeah, the fact sure. that eggs are not necessarily bad for your cholesterol even though they contain cholesterol yeah okay correct? so the initial so the, the point that you're trying to make is dietary cholesterol dietary cholesterol is not necessarily bad for you um, initially when people studied bloods um, they found that high levels of certain types of cholesterol were linked to uh, increasing your risk of heart disease um, which then naturally led people to conclude that eating dietary cholesterol would lead to heart disease. It turns out that dietary cholesterol, so the cholesterol that you eat, is not the same um, as having higher levels of blood cholesterol, so serum cholesterol. Um, and this has been proven multiple times through many, many studies. So we know now that the type of cholesterol that's in your blood isn't necessarily related to the amount of dietary cholesterol you eat, that you eat. Your body is amazing at regulating itself. So if you increase your dietary cholesterol, your body, which synthesizes cholesterol, will reduce its synthesis. So cholesterol is primarily synthesized in the liver. About 75% of your cholesterol is synthesized there. So if you eat more cholesterol and your cholesterol level levels increase your liver will produce less cholesterol so it's regulating itself um, and cholesterol itself is not inherently unhealthy there's different types of cholesterol um, there's different different transporters of cholesterol your genetic history plays into it it's not as simple as oh eating ace is going to cause heart disease it's that can be more wrong. There's actually a lot of evidence that um, eating eggs increases your levels of healthy cholesterol. So it's just one of those things that pe people have taken a very reductionist approach to cholesterol in general um, and kind of missed the forest for the trees, being like, oh, cholesterol linked to heart disease, all cholesterol is bad, and that's just not the case. So it's kind of um, the idea that although like, it makes sense logically when you tell someone cholesterol is bad, if you eat cholesterol, it's going to be bad for you, but the ingestion of a certain nutrient or in this case cholesterol isn't necessarily a negative no absolutely not and cholesterol is really important i mean all of your hormones are synthesized from cholesterol vitamin d when so when you get exposed to sunlight vitamin d is synthesized through cholesterol it's important for survival um cells are a huge component of them is made from cholesterol so we need it to survive um it's that certain types of cholesterol uh, specifically ldl cholesterol um is linked to heart disease but it's not necessarily dietary cholesterol that increases your levels of ldl it's far more complex than that so it's looking at dietary and lifestyle patterns as a whole like whether you smoke or not that's more likely to increase your risk than something like eating eggs 
So does that principle carry over to, for example, other nutrients, macronutrients, micronutrients, vitamins? Um, okay, nutrition is okay, very that's, complex. <laughs> that's a little bit broad. <laughs> yeah, that's super broad. Um, I think, okay, so uh, how, where do I start? So the, there's a myth, right? That's, it's a myth that eating eggs increases your risk of, of heart disease or whatever it is. And there's lots of myths out there in nutrition. Um, and I could, you know, go on for an hour about all of the myths sure out there. <laughs> um, in regards to supplements, um, it kind of depends as well. Like s- people assume that certain supplements are good for certain things, which they may sometimes in some cases they may be. And in other cases, it's just a misinterpretation. Um, it's kind of, again, like reducing something down and kind of missing the overall context. So it can, it can be something like that in other contexts, like different areas of nutrition and with different nutrients, but it really depends because like there's so many different types of nutrients. There's food is so complex that we can't just kind of broadly say that, oh, well that applies to so many other areas. No, no, that makes sense. Um, it's one of the things that annoys me when I see it in the media is, um, serotonin and they say food boosting serotonin, like serotonin boosting foods or this food contains serotonin. Mm -hmm. And people automatically make the link that because this food contains serotonin or something that boosts serotonin, that it will automatically turn up in your brain. Yeah. And that it would automatically boost happiness. Whereas that just isn't the case. The evidence isn't there to say that just because we ingest something like that, that it automatically transfers to the brain. Mm-hmm. And I guess the reason I wanted to have you on was to talk about the supplements in relation to um, mental health specifically. Yeah. Now, I'm sure you see a lot of um, let's say supplements that are promoted mm-hmm. that market themselves cleverly. Mm-hmm. You probably have lots of, actually I got caught with one yesterday. Um, when was it? <laughs> there was a protein, um, it was labeled that it was 20% source of protein, but it was 20% of the total gram okay. rather than 20 grams of protein, which okay, in I my brain I thought it was 20 grams of protein, but yeah. it was eight grams of protein. So I got marketed yesterday. Yeah. Um, but that's the case in an awful lot of the mental health supplements that I've seen. They say things like boosts cognition, mm-hmm. boosts um, mental performance. Uh, they've said things like memory and mood. Yeah. Whereas what the evidence from my reading of it says is that supplementing these deficiencies doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to end up in the bloodstream mm-hmm. or even breaking the, the blood brain barrier, which is basically how nutrients get to your brain. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to start with a specific supplement or just more generally supplements in general, how are they broken down and what's necessary for them to be absorbed by the body? Yeah. Okay. So I think it's important to clarify like what exactly a supplement is. So just the definition of it is something that complements something else. So it's a supplement to something else. So you have your foundational diet and supplements in general should only be consumed to supplement something that's missing or enhance something that's already there. So an easy example is iron. If you don't eat a lot of red meat, sometimes that means that you will be deficient in iron and supplementing that deficiency will help you achieve your recommended daily intake of iron. So in terms of how supplements are broken down and used in the body, I think that first we should go back to how food is broken down and, so, and like bro- it, broken yeah. down in the body. I'm not the expert, I'll let so, you. So, I mean, it's, I mean, people probably remember this from secondary school biology, but you, the process by digestion starts is you chew on something, so mastication, and that you chew it with your mouth you digest it it goes into your stomach acids and everything break down the food further it goes into your intestinal tract and that's where the absorption happens so absorption bioavailability as well is quite complex it's uh, involves a lot of chemistry um it's a 
certain nutrients um, need to be paired with other nutrients in order for them to be optimally absorbed. Other nutrients need to be on their own. So again, coming back to the iron example, um, there's two different types of iron. There's heme and non-heme. Heme iron is very bioavailable. We eat heme iron from sources like meat and most of it gets absorbed through our intestinal tract. Heme iron or non-heme iron, which comes from plants, not very bioavailable. Um, and supplements can often contain different sources of iron, which are more or less bioavailable. Bio so that then kind of leads you to go on to say, okay, so that's iron consumed alone. What about iron consumed with other foods? So foods can interact with each other. So different nutrients can compete for the same absorption pathways. So for example, calcium blocks the absorption of iron. So if you're consuming a calcium supplement, it should be consumed separately to iron because they both try and use the same pathway to be absorbed into the blood. So digestion is kind of complicated depending on the specific nutrient that's in question. But in general, that's what it looks like. So you're eating a food, you, the breakdown starts by just chewing it and then eventually it ends up in your intestinal tract. Anything that isn't absorbed, um, will get excreted but then you also have the case of so say supplements so you've got different types of supplements um you've got we'll go with vitamins you've got water soluble vitamins and fat soluble vitamins they're going to be absorbed so you eat them they get absorbed through the intestine and if you have already have say optimal levels of a water soluble vitamin then you're just going to pee out whatever you don't need so it's a complete waste to be consuming like say vitamin c if you're already eating a lot of fruit because you probably already have optimal levels of vitamin c you're literally peeing that out then you have the case of fat soluble vitamins which can actually build up in the system um so if you are already at optimal levels of say i don't know what's a fat like vitamin d um, which is very unlikely because most people are deficient but if you are at optimal levels vitamin d can kind of be stored in fat tissue and it can build up and become toxic over time so it's quite important for people to be conscious about where they are and aren't deficient so then leading on to like actually do you have any questions i won't keep I, going I, yeah just on that when you say fat soluble does that mean that you have to ingest or your diet has to has to be complemented with um some sort of fat that mm -hmm helps that supplement be absorbed or helps helps that nutrient be absorbed is that what you mean by yeah. fat soluble so um when i talk about bioavailability and um, bioavailability of fat soluble vitamins can be enhanced by consuming it with a fat source so you're going to absorb okay. more of it you probably still will absorb some if you consume it completely separately to like food or fats but say if you take vitamin d with your omega-3 which is a fat it's more optimal for absorption okay. because it, it is soluble in fat so that environment needs to be there for it to be optimally bioavailable is that why so from my reading of the mental health related research they say that when we talk about supplements that there's no one single supplement that's going to do x y and z mm -hmm. that it's overall or sorry not even supplements one single nutrient that's going to do x y and z yeah. is that why it's important to look at the overall dietary pattern rather yes. than Absolutely. just looking at i'm deficient in one thing this is yeah. the cause of my issues and that's actually a giant flaw in nutrition research in general right because um it's quite easy for us in like say medicine research to try and isolate a drug and look at that specific drug's effect on, on an outcome for nutrition if you take one nutrient um, and like remove it from the overall context and try to study its specific outcome it's just not transferable into real life because nobody just goes and eats one nutrient nobody just goes and eats you know 20 grams of carbs it's going to be a mixed meal it's not going to just be a plate of potatoes with you know no salt no no dressing no like ketchup whatever it is people eat meals and they eat foods in context of specific situations 
that oftentimes is missed when we look at literature. So sometimes a study might conclude that, oh, this one nutrient had this one specific outcome, but when you actually look at the practical application of that, the same results don't hold true. Um, that also happens a lot with animal studies that we see that you know a specific nutrient impacts mice in a particular way, but when we try and transfer that over that to the that over to the human context, it just doesn't play out that way because our lives or the way that we eat um and the what makes up our food is very complicated and it interacts with each other. So yeah, you're completely right there, in that we can't just say like we can't just take a specific nutrient and infer that it's going to have all of these. Like benefits. So, say for example, if you are deficient in vitamin D and you start supplementing with vitamin D, and that promises to help your fatigue, your like uh, cognition, all of these things, but your overall diet is lacking in quality, and you're not eating your like a lot of fruit and veg, you're probably deficient in other things. Vitamin D is not really going to help in that context because there's other things lacking. So it's really important, like when we're talking about supplements, that we have to. Be quite clear that the base of the diet should be there before supplements are going to have any effect. Yeah, and like like you said, supplements are in addition to. Yeah. They're there to, to complement it. Exactly. And I think what you said there about like if the overall diet is lacking, some of the research in relation to mental health is around omega threes and, and healthy fats. When a lot of the research came out about omega threes, um, and they're looking at correlates of of poor mental health and they say well, these people are deficient in omega-3s. Mm-hmm. By supplementing, you should have an improvement. But I think sometimes people forget that, especially when they read those kind of headline articles or they read that kind of research that they forget that maybe a deficiency in omega-3 is actually a deficiency in the overall diet as a whole. Yes, is absolutely. That and that is, like again, a problem with the research that we kind of... Um, we make associations sometimes. Um, so we look at large amounts of data um, that are done through observational studies and we make inferences from those. So we say, oh, low omega-3 is correlated with depression. Um, we can't say the cause and effect there. Like We can't make any concrete claims. And yes, omega-3 might be correlated with that, but maybe so is also like social isolation and a lot of other factors that could also be contributing. But again, we, we try to break things down. We're very reductionist when we look at the research and we try to like narrow it down to one variable that we can try and control. But again, if you start supplementing with omega-3s, but your overall lifestyle and diet isn't there, it's probably not going to help that much. It's kind of similar to the... I know I hear uh, Alan talking about it a lot, um, but the whole single nutrient hypothesis. Yes, yeah. People, people blaming one single thing for the outcome of a really, really complex matter. Exactly, yeah. Like blaming saturated fat for all heart disease that's out there. It's ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the thing about supplements as well is, um, so say we're saying that like you could supplement with omega-3 um, and you're probably not going to see a massive benefit if the rest of your diet is lacking. Similarly, if the rest of your diet is really, really good and yes, you are lacking in a nutrient, you might notice very small changes, but it's not going to be like, oh my God, my life is entirely changed. Like, Actually, sometimes that can happen with vitamin D supplementation. If somebody's very deficient, it can cause low mood, um, irritability, fatigue, and supplementing can kind of be somewhat life-changing. Um, it, that their uh, en- energy levels improve and all of that it's it's probably similar to um the um seasonal affective exactly. disorder because that essentially is is treated with you know those um those daytime labs yes. or, or mm-hmm. you know the light light yeah. exposure treatment essentially so i can imagine how that would be quite significant potentially yes 
Um, but I haven't read the research around the vitamin D yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. And like even just throwing in an anecdote, I have a friend who's from Australia and she moved to Ireland and she was actually suffering with a bit of depression. Um, and her doctor advised her to start taking vitamin D and she did notice an effect really, really quickly. Um, and the same thing happened with another one of my friends who's from Spain. Um, but moving away from anecdotes, when you actually look at the research, it can help. It can help your mood. It can help your subjective well-being to supplement with vitamin D. But this is correcting deficiencies. If yeah. you aren't deficient in something, supplementing is not likely to help you. Um, now, I do like to think about things like vitamin D on a scale. So you have the low end of the scale, which is like you are not deficient. And then you have the high end of the scale, which is like you are approaching the max dosage. And people can feel different on different like um, rings of the scale. So one person might feel completely fine at the lower end, but another person might need to supplement a bit higher and get higher serum levels in order to feel okay. So it's not, um, it's quite individual as well. And I think people should really be sort of getting regular blood tests and figuring out with their doctor and things like that. Like if they do have a deficiency, like where do they feel okay? Because yeah. um, it does vary for individuals and age and gender and all of those things come into play. Um, one of the reasons why um, I wanted to, to do this podcast and talk to you today was because of one of the reports from the Global Council for Brain Health. Okay. Now, they released a report a couple of weeks ago that um, basically went through a lot of different supplements for brain health specifically. Mm-hmm. And their outcomes on a whole were that supplementing for brain health specifically for things like mood, um, for cognition, for mental sharpness, for memory, um, for focus, was largely um, a waste of time. That's what, what their conclusions were. And just because you mentioned that when you're supplementing for deficiencies, it's very different. What they said was that the things that they did find were somewhat helpful were when people were deficient in a specific nutrient and then making that up you're, you're essentially making that up to try and meet the levels because you can't you can't or don't get it from your diet mm-hmm. so i think what's what it's important to note is that supplementing these things if you're at baseline level like you said if you're at a normal level isn't going to increase your brain health it's not going to prevent alzheimer's like some of the claims are it's not going to prevent you um cognitively deteriorating but what it might do is it might might make up for the fact that you're lacking yes. in your diet. Now, there is an interesting spanner that we could throw in here. Have you heard of nootropics? I have heard of them. Okay, so... Explain though, just in case people okay. don't. So nootropics are basically um, a subgroup of supplements that are touted to enhance your cognition in some way whether that be like memory attention focus whatever it is so the two most common ones that people are probably familiar with would be caffeine and nicotine now those are drugs not necessarily supplements but you could argue that caffeine is a supplement caffeine does have an effect on cognition so like we know that it increases your focus your mental alertness your reaction times and that is kind of what nootropics as a class are supposed to do most of the evidence on like the majority of nootropics is abysmal so there just is <clears throat> okay. like they're completely useless but there are some like caffeine nicotine that when used as a supplement do have an effect so while i agree with what you're saying about what this report is published i think the majority of people should be completely fine if they have a, a balanced diet where they're getting a wide range of nutrients and they don't have deficiencies 
they don't really need to supplement. Now, maybe there is a case for vitamin D, especially if you're in like Northern Europe, um, especially during winter months. But for the most part, if, you ha- if you're eating like fish regularly, if you're eating lots of fruit, vegetables, whole grains, that kind of stuff, you don't need to supplement. It's not going to help you in any way to supplement. But then if it comes to things like, okay, now we're getting into alertness and focus and maybe sometimes performance, like cognitive performance. Yep. Caffeine can is a supplement that does have a lot of evidence behind it. So it's not as cut and dry as like no supplements work at all. Um and like don't take any ever because it's just not you can't make blanket statements like that because yep. there is evidence that some are effective in increasing cognition in some ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Um from that if we go back to what the report stated, um things like omega three. So omega-3 was, like we said, was related to, to depressive symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found that supplementing, or from, from my own research, I've found studies that have shown some benefit, yes. right? Obviously, it's not even comparable to any kind of traditional treatment in mm-hmm. terms of the response rates, but small differences. Yeah. What this report said was that if you're deficient, it may be helpful, but for a healthy diet it's not what does a healthy diet look like in terms of getting your omega-3s and getting your healthy fats in before we get into what a healthy diet look like looks like i actually want to ask you some questions about those that research because from what i've seen um in the research looking at um depression and omega-3s the omega-3 dose has been a lot higher than the rda and that's where most studies have found some kind of effect yeah so that would have me questioning is it correcting a deficiency or does it kind of seem that like even past the deficient once the deficiency is fixed past that like super su- supplementation can actually does in- seem to increase have an impact yeah it's an interesting one because from what i've seen right and I, uh, we were my own company that i work for which i stay separate from but the company that I work for um, was looking to partner with, with people who were who were making supplements and we were wondering should we um, you know partner with these guys and can we can we market it and sell it through our through our own company and we decided on not doing that because what this particular supplement um, sold which included omega-3s um, was a small dose it was 350 milligrams so I presume that like I don't know a lot about what the supplement market is like in Ireland or even in Europe but it seems to be that the effects are only in high doses but high doses that aren't present in supplements yeah so even comparing like I don't know a mackerel fillet or like a salmon fillet that seems to like the RDA seem to be very low in comparison to what's even in one one fish yeah you know what i mean yeah rdas so, are like a whole separate tangent that we could go off but like quite a lot of the rdas the way that the rdas are set um is very debatable um right. and it really doesn't take into account like what's optimal versus what will just prevent a deficiency okay so but yes you're you're right like supplements are not well dosed um yeah. there's very few supplement brands that i recommend based off their dosage um like if you just go into most health food stores and pick up whatever one you find on the shelf more than likely it's either going to be poorly dosed or the ingredients are not of high quality yeah so it is a problem so so what what i saw from from the omega-3 stuff is that they only included one of the three types of omega-3 two types so epa and dha there was another one that they mentioned something la LA. oh ala yeah so is that one yeah so that's actually like um when you digest an omega-3 that is the output okay so it's 
still going to be the EKG or the okay. DHA will be the well, well they only included one and the dose of that was 300 milligrams yeah. now from my reading of the research um, it seemed to be like like you said high, like massive doses like 1000 milligrams plus yeah. per dose yeah. per per day or whatever it was mm-hmm. um, but what I don't see over the counter and what you buy in shops is not that dosage so yeah. therefore is not that helpful it, it, it seems to be being sold as something that it's not yes okay yeah absolutely spot on with that because like the the supplement dosage like the the best quality supplements that you can get the dosage of them will still not even touch upon what has been shown in the literature that might help with depression the what we can say about the supplements that are sold nowadays is purely from like a health so like um physiology outcomes so like reducing your risk of heart disease and things like that not the mental health aspect so much um i think because this is still like a relatively new area for supplements like the market has not caught up to that at all so i think it is disingenuous for any like omega-3 supplement that isn't well dosed to be putting those kinds of claims on the label yeah i think it's interesting though because the claims they put on the label i was very interested to read this particular company's claims and i say that lightly claims they very cleverly marketed it so that on their on their box they wrote all of the different things that correlate like we said there's lots of different things that correlate with poor mental health poor cognition poor mood whatever it is for example was one of them vitamin b5 potentially they said vitamin b5 uh, correlates with poor cognition poor mental performance and then they cleverly put includes vitamin B5. They cleverly put zinc is related to X, Y, and Z. But what they don't say is that this supplement um this supplement increases levels of those, therefore increases cognition, because they can't make those claims. Yeah. They're also what, not stating that the majority of people aren't deficient in those nutrients. Yeah, exactly. So so what they're saying is um People who are depressed are deficient in this. People who are poor, have poor cognition are deficient in vitamin B12 or whatever it is. Um, and then what they say is that this product includes that. But what they don't mention is, like I was trying to get onto earlier, just because you ingest that supplement, just because you take that supplement does not necessarily mean that it gets into your bloodstream. Yeah, is, is or that... that if it does, that it has any effect. Because if, you, if you're consuming that supplement... You probably are absorbing it, so that probably is happening. But if you are already at sufficient doses dosages of that nutrient, it's not going to impact you in any way. So if I'm at optimal levels of vitamin C and I consume vitamin C, regardless of what outcomes that the packet stating it has, it's not going to impact me because I'm already at my cap of vitamin C and I don't need any more. Now, if I was massively deficient and I supplemented and I corrected that deficiency, maybe it would help me. Maybe some of those claims would be accurate if the dose is correct and the quality of the vitamin is, is ac- adequate. But if you're already sufficient in something, there's no point in taking a supplement because you're not, you're not going to get anything from it. Just going back to the solubility mm-hmm. thing from earlier, if you're deficient in certain nutrients, for example, that you might get from a supplement, but you're deficient because you have a poor diet, yes. then what is the purpose in supplementing if it may not have its effect because your overall diet is still quite poor yeah so i recently went on a rant about this on another podcast but basically (laughs) i don't think that there is a there there's a few scenarios right so let's imagine a couple of people and person number one knows that their diet sucks but they want to be a bit healthier but they have absolutely no interest in increasing 
their, their diet quality. So they don't want to start eating more vegetables. They don't want to make the effort to meal prep, but they do kind of have some conscientiousness about their health. Maybe they could supplement, you know, maybe they're a user of supplements that, I mean, it's not an ideal scenario at all. They should be focusing on their diet quality, but they would, they just want to, you know, take the very easy option the option that won't result in the most health but at least it's better than the situation they're already in then you've got person two who doesn't have the best diet and wants to improve and they're willing to start including like maybe one more veg than they usually include maybe um two vegetables at dinner and a piece of fruit on top of you know just starting to include more nutrients in their diet um and make up their deficiencies that way um but then maybe you have a person who is already eating quite a, a healthy diet but they're vegetarian so they're missing out on iron or they're missing out on creatine and they need to supplement those in because it's not by nature of them not being healthy they are but their their diet just by its definition of being vegetarian means that they're going to lack in a couple of things so there is a place for supplements there absolutely is but in the case of person number 1 they're the type of person that I would beg and plead with them and try to convince them that diet quality is so much more important for health and supplements. And there is research to support that, that if you take um, somebody who's quite unhealthy and just uses supplements versus somebody who changes their diet, um, what those outcomes look like, like, can you just supplement everything away? And you can't, like yeah. diet quality is really important. Um, again, coming back to the kind of the research and the and the holes in it, we took we kind of try to isolate specific nutrients and see their outcome in a person, but that means that we're like removing other nutrients that they might interact with. So there's been like interesting research on coffee versus caffeine, and we can see differences in how coffee versus caffeine interacts in the body and the outcomes that it has, but we don't understand why. We don't understand what compounds in coffee are like enhancing the effect of caffeine or making it a bit more healthy in certain places um, because food is so complex and yeah, all of these yeah. things interact with each other. So diet quality as a whole, so your, your diet, the food that you're eating is always going to be superior to supplementing the problems away and only in the case that like you have a real need like being a vegetarian or you know not getting much sunlight during the summer like supplementing with vitamin D. Apart from those cases, you just shouldn't be supplementing. Okay. So what we're saying basically is, for the people who are listening, overall diet pattern is is the key, essentially. Yes. We're saying that there's no point, well, not just the no point, but there's minimal effect for people who are going to be supplementing when they don't have an overall healthy dietary pattern. Yes. And what does that look like, which is the question that you asked a while ago. Yeah. And I can start to get into that. Um, so... A healthy diet, I mean, you could ask a five-year-old about what's healthy and what's not healthy, and they might be like, oh, fruit and vegetables are healthy, and pizza's not that healthy, and yeah, <laughs> you know, minimally processed, uh, high amount of vegetables, fruit, lean meat, uh, dairy, um, minimal alcohol, um, it's quite a common sense approach to nutrition, but people overcomplicate they massively overcomplicate things. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But when we do look at the literature and we look at, okay, who is the healthiest, who lives for the longest, who is the least risk of disease, all of these things, it's increasing your amount of vegetables. So like vegetables are protective against everything. They like just, there's no cap. Like five a day is a minimum. That is an absolute minimum threshold that you should be getting. Um, and then including fruits. 
so lean meats um, minimally processed meats so like you don't want to be having like white pudding and rashers and sausages yeah. you kind of want to be going more like lean cuts of pork turkey chicken and um, more white meat um red meat is fine just always have it with a serving of vegetables um fish regularly is really good um if you don't eat fish regularly then that is a case for you to be taking an omega-3 supplement so it's kind of where you're lacking that is where you can kind of make up for things so for females they often don't eat that much red meat and they're lacking in iron so there's an easy win to be supplementing um now It's, it's interesting with the red meat thing there's one specific study that i've mentioned on my page before and for mental health specifically and this is taking out um this is taking this is not considering any physical health implications but that between three to four hundred grams a week was shown to be like the optimal dose and then people who ate above that actually showed poor mental health outcomes but also people who ate below that mm-hmm. found uh, found poor mental health outcomes too which i thought was really interesting yes. because it seemed like there was like a, a fine dosage that was like perfect for mental yeah. health outcomes it's interesting though because you would want to be looking at the overall diet in that context so is it like are people who are more health conscious eating that amount of meat by coincidence or you know like are the people who are eating much more than that eating less vegetables so it's like again you have to take the wider context yeah, into account. 100%, 100%. so like when you talk about like not commenting on the physical side of things with red meat like we know that red meat is completely fine if you eat vegetables if you don't eat vegetables and you don't eat fruit and your fiber intake is very low and then you eat red meat it's not the best idea you are increasing your health risk there mm. but like it's like um if you think about vegetables and fruit as neutralizing the negative effects of some other components of your diet they're so protective and they're just i mean eat your vegetables if there's <laughs> one thing that you take away from this um it's also really interesting like when you I mean, we probably should have done this at the start but what is your definition of brain health like what is that for you for me personally like how would you how would you define it um I would partially define it as not having what would be considered early cognitive decline. Mm-hmm. Um, functionally, that you're functioning at an appropriate level compared yeah. to society. Mm-hmm. Um, and having relatively positive mental health. Yeah, okay. So I think it's interesting then because the research um, is kind of hard to distinguish between optimal brain health in terms of nutrients or nutrients that are specifically targeted to help um, like poor mental health so like depression anxiety like um depressive disorders things like that yeah so there are some supplements that have been shown to maybe improve um situations where somebody's suffering from depression or anxiety so like say ashwagandha has been shown to help people um with stress-related anxiety so that's a supplement that helps does ashwagandha help with general brain health and cognition no so it's like there i would kind of view brain health just like your standard uh, cognition cognitive performance as one thing and then treatment for disorders as a separate thing and supplement supplementing differently for those so like omega-3s and vitamin d for optimal brain health um and then there's some uh research to support omega-3s for depression but like i'm, I'm in my mind they're kind of two separate things so you've got kind of like treatment for something versus just being healthy and trying to achieve optimal health does that make sense yeah 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 um, and I, I, I read a couple of those ashwagandha researches yeah studies oh, you, do you disagree I, I, I do a little bit yeah I think they're I think for something to be considered as a effective tr- 
treatment, it would need to be shown to be uh, better than placebo, which I don't think it shows. I think there are studies that show it's they, they better can than be, placebo. They can be double-blinded, double but I mean by comparison to other treatments. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. As in, if, if there was another supplement that you know, showed outcome rates of, of 30% and this showed 10%, but yeah. by comparison to its own study, yeah. it was it was significant. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, um, okay, so I'm like, off the top of my head... I would be sceptical. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with what you say because you're, this is definitely more your area than mine. Have you looked into Kava as a supplement? No. Kava? Okay, wait. I did actually like write notes about this. So, okay. <laughs> so for non-psychotic anxiety it has been more effective than placebo and there have been because i went through the studies on it and it ha- does look like it's quite effective and it also seems to increase subjective well-being for those who are suffering with an anxiety disorder i think it's just like it's a herb it's a herbal supplement um but it's one of those things that like maybe alongside medication or alongside another form of treatment maybe that supplement is of use yeah. and kava isn't something that you would normally get through your diet so when you like it going, is a nutrient yeah it okay. is a nutrient um but it's like I mean, it's kind of like saying, you know, how, how would you explain that? Like spinach is one type of leaf and then like lettuce is a totally different type of leaf. And yeah, they're both nutrient dense, but they're different types of nutrients. Okay. Cava is not something you would ever normally eat. Okay. Um, but in regards to like, yeah, I mean, that report that you mentioned that was just like no supplements ever, diet only. I'm like, well, maybe in this case when nobody eats cava, maybe that supplement is useful. But again, this is like for maybe alongside treatment for a yeah. specific disorder I think that's important rather to say. than yeah. optimal brain health. Because like I, I think in, in today's society, people see a headline like that and they will say, oh, I'll try this. before This might wear off before I need to go and see a therapist. Yeah. And I don't think even from the report and as extreme as it is, I don't think you could ever say that any supplement would be replacing traditional treatment absolutely not okay, um sure. never like it should be supplementary too it's like again yeah a again supplement too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um oh, you also reminded me of something there that i wanted to say oh what was it um feel free to look through your notes if you like no um no there was so much that i wanted to comment on i feel like i could go off on like a million tangents um no i think that was pretty much everything i think you got it covered um would you give any advice to people around supplement i know we covered diet is number one yeah yeah no i do, I but do outside advice, of yeah. that, and specifically with relation to like the ones that are targeted at mental performance and cognition okay so let's focus on omega-3 and vitamin d because those would be the two that seem to have the most research backing in terms of just health and then also creatine um creatine is one of those that's emerging in the literature people don't eat enough in their diet so you would normally creatine um you would get that source from meat so it is contained in like chicken red meat all that kind of stuff so it's only available in meat you can't get it through plants um so for that reason a lot of vegetarians and vegans are deficient in creatine but creatine um is an energy supply store so your brain needs energy and there's um it uses creatine oftentimes when when it's like very taxed so like say you're doing an exam or something it might use creatine um to provide more energy so there's some emerging research that's pretty cool showing that like creatine can help the brain's energy stores um and in states where your brain is often taxed heavily that supplemental creatine can enhance performance so like if you are sleep deprived supplementing with creatine can offset some of the sleep deprivation in like a cognitive performance test so 
I can't remember what the question was. I just got excited about patient there. <laughs> in terms of specifically mental health. Um, yeah, okay. Mental yeah, health so omega-3s, creatine. creatine. I want to throw one in there as well, uh, vitamin B12. Yeah, vitamin B12. Now, again, I'm skeptical, skeptical about supplementation for B12 because if you're eating vegetables, you're very unlikely to be deficient. Now, if you're not somebody who eats vegetables, my advice for you is to start eating more vegetables. Find a way of cooking them that you enjoy. Like, if you haven't tried roasting vegetables do that and just thank me later because it's like life-changing <laughs> they taste completely different um but that is like should be your main source um and then supplemental b12 if you need it for sure um but the thing with supplements is people are always going to be like oh my god well how do i know if i'm deficient or not like should i be supplementing like they're just saying to take you know b12 well should i just start taking b12 to be on the safe side um no you should make sure that you have a need first so there's a few ways that you can do that you could um, go to a doctor and get a blood test done and ask them that you want to check like your your blood panel for uh, different nutrient levels. So you can just say, you know, do you want to test your vitamin, T, your vitamin D, your vitamin B12, your iron levels. Magnesium is another one that people are commonly deficient in. So get a blood panel done and identify where there's a chance for you to improve. Um, a cheaper and more simpler way is to use an app. It's called Chronometer. So it's C-R-O-N-O-Meter. Um, and it's an app that you can get on your phone or you can just use a website where you log your food in and it specifically focuses on micronutrients. So it will be like, um, it'll have your calcium target for the day, for example, and it will show you that on a typical day of eating, you're only getting 50% of your calcium requirement. So it's a kind of a cheaper way of seeing where could you do with including more food that has calcium in it, or maybe it's worth supplementing. Um, another one which is a bit um more like it's it's probably not the one that I would go to recommend immediately but it's just going to a nutritionist and having a consultation um a nutritionist will easily be able to spot faults in your diet and a quick way of kind of improving your dietary patterns but as for spotting deficiencies it's quite difficult to do that based off just what somebody's saying and their like recall of what they're eating so the first two methods that I mentioned would be the primary ones um and yeah like supplementing your deficiencies will improve your overall health and thus your mental health like our bodies are not separate components which like your body is completely separate from your brain like improving yeah. one will improve the other and vice versa like we know there's a lot of emerging evidence now around the gut's impact on brain health yeah. so it's like improving your overall health and your overall diet yeah. having a diet that's rich in nutrients and fiber is going to impact your mental health positively yeah. and supplements I, I think... are really like the last Second, a secondary yeah. thought. Yeah. So, like the primary thing is obviously healthy diet, lots of variety. Um, get your healthy fats in, get your micronutrients in, and yeah. get tested if you need it. Yes, essentially, basically, yeah. Because I think it's I think it's crazy that for a long time, um, everyone always thought that nutrition was for the body, and only now are we realizing that what we put in our mouth actually impacts our mental health. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for I guess optimal mental health, the advice is, get a variety. Yeah. Every get everything you need. You can primarily get it from food, but some people between choices or potentially not being able to access certain foods or vitamins yeah. um, might have to supplement. Yes. But supplements are only a secondary thought, like you said. Mm -hmm. They are to assist an overall healthy diet. Yeah. And um, any other recommendations you would leave the listeners with before we yeah. finish up? Yeah, so I don't like making blanket recommendations, but vitamin D, most people are lacking in vitamin D. So... The stats available at the moment are saying that like 70% of Europeans, so that's across all of Europe, okay. are deficient. Now, in Northern Europe, that increases 
Um, so like fun facts about vitamin D, you cannot synthesize vitamin D from the sun between October and March. So during winter months, even if you're outside all day, you're not going to be synthesizing vitamin D. You should supplement. Um, vitamin D is essential for so many processes in our body and it's just again like it, it has connotations for your mood and your brain health so it's an important one then during the summer months um it's only particular times during the day that the sun is at the right angle to allow us to synthesize vitamin d so if you have an office job and you're not getting outside during the daytime it's very likely that you're still going to need to supplement okay. um so again get your levels checked figure out how much that you need to be taking to get your levels to the optimal amount um, that's the only one that I would say blanket recommendation most people especially listening to this if they're in Ireland and the UK need to supplement yeah. um, the other one is omega-3s most people don't eat enough fish so omega-3 um, an easy recommendation is 1 gram of fish oils per day a minimum dose of 250 micrograms um, so you can just look on the back of the packet of your whatever fish oil supplement you're looking at and you want a combined amount of EPA and DHA to add up to about 250 micrograms at a minimum. Yeah, and but like we were saying, like the, in terms of mental health anyway, the, it's much, it's the, much the, higher, the higher dosages were the ones that, that made a more significant impact. Exactly. So those would kind of be the two main recommendations I would make. And then fibre. So if you're thinking nutrients and fibre are the, the base of a very healthy diet. So that's plenty of fruit and veg and then also whole grains. Um, so things like rice, beans, so like legumes, um, potatoes with the skin on, all of that kind of stuff. So fiber-rich diet has a lot of positive outcomes for you know your gut and just overall health. Cool. Um, I think that's a good note to wrap up on. Rebecca, can you? I probably should have done this at the start, but this is my first time ever talking to somebody on the podcast by myself. <laughs> in your life. Yeah, in my in my <laughs> life. Yeah, this is my first time. Um, let people know who you are, what you do. Um, and yeah, what your background is. I love that we're doing this backwards. Yeah, yeah okay, completely so backwards. Don't worry my about background it. is I have a Bachelor of Science in Applied Psychology and then I became a certified nutritionist and it's just a huge passion of mine. I've studied evidence-based psychology for, I don't know, maybe like five years now. Um, and my Instagram is basically me communicating um, nutritional science, so like the research, in more layman's terms, so making it accessible for people who don't have time to go read the evidence um, and are interested in what the what the evidence says about nutrition. So my Instagram is at t full stop two full stop triceps. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I had somebody come up to me um, a couple of weeks ago and they were like, are you T and triceps? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, too awkward. You can be both. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's T2 triceps. <laughs> Rebecca, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on. Thank you for uh, joining me and um, thank you for listening to the Head First podcast. Thank you.